Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from 1 Peter 1, 13 through 23. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to 1 Peter in your Bible. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Thank you, Sam. It's the word of the Lord. Well, Peter begins his, the bulk, the main part of this letter. Last week's was just kind of an introduction, telling us uh, kind of a few important things that we'll, we'll touch on in just a little bit. But he begins the bulk of his letter by saying this, gird up the loins of your mind. That's, I mean, it, I'm not kidding. That's exactly what it says. Now, um, our, our English translations have cleaned that up a little bit, but what, what exactly does that mean? That, that sounds really, really crazy. Well, um, in, in Peter's day, uh, pants really hadn't been invented yet. And so, uh, and so they wore kind of long dresses or skirts. You know, we have a Christmas play every year, and uh, this is you know, basically kind of what they were, long thing. Obviously those are supposed to be angels, but uh, they're all our cute kids, so why not? Um, and so, you know, to, and there's another one, that's from a couple years ago, I suppose. Someone, I asked on Facebook and they were able to give me these. Um, and and so to, in, order, in order for anybody to run or do anything like that, you kind of had to hike up your skirt, uh, and you know kind of make do it otherwise your movement was going to be severely restricted and so um there was a process of arranging your garment so that it wouldn't impede your your movement uh this is why in every every like movie ever that's got roman soldiers they're all wearing like mini skirts that are armored uh, i know it's kind of silly but i think that's that's the reason they needed to be able to get around uh, anyway, so the process was called girding your loins, and um, well, here here's a here's a graphic I have on how do you do this. Uh, see there, you stand there, you kind of hike it up, 
you pull it all together, you pull it down between your legs, uh, and bat, I'm not actually sure how this works. I haven't tried it. And then you tie it up somehow, and then, and then you are ready for battle. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, so that's gird up the loins of your mind. Oh, of course, um, Peter, our, in our, our um, translations, clean it up a little bit and says, therefore prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourself. See that, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Now, um, now Peter's admonishing them and us too, right? Because this letter in, in a lot of ways is written to us. He's admonishing them to be prepared, to be prepared in their mind and their heart uh, because they are exiles living in a strange land. Now, it's probably their own land like we talked about last week, but uh, things are different for them. And so uh, he's telling them to, uh, to, to, you know, prepare their minds. Now, our, um, he's, he's expecting that they already have done this. And so we could translate it this way. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And it should be disciplining yourself. So uh, Peter understands uh, that his friends who are living as exiles, as strangers in a strange land that's actually their own home, that they are already doing this. They are already preparing their minds. They are disciplined, uh, disciplining themselves uh, for how they are going to be go about things. Now, um, he mentions this, right, because they are exiles in a strange land. And there's, there's a couple reasons. There's only, well, there's three ways that they can accomplish this, right? Uh, well, actually, first, I don't think that I... I explained well enough last week why it is that Peter understands that they are exiles, right? Um, they're living in their own lands, but their their commitment to following Jesus Christ has so transformed their lives that it's put them at odds with the culture around them. Now, one of the, I think the biggest ways, and I didn't mention this last week, was that part of all of these places that Peter mentions, uh, there, there was all these these different gods, pagan gods, Roman and Greek gods, uh, that you might have learned about in high school. And uh, this, was, this was an important part of city life, like participating in the, the practices of the worship of these, of these pagan gods was, was important. In fact, if, if, you didn't, if you didn't participate, it could have some significant social and economic repercussions for you. Uh, if you didn't, if you didn't worship whatever god it was, Athena or or whatever, um, then everybody around thought you were strange. And if you had a business, um, if you were a carpenter or a tradesman, perhaps maybe they wouldn't allow you to work in the union, or or you wouldn't find work, and you'd kind of be pushed to the to the outside, and and people would ridicule you and mock you. And so that's, that's the context. That's the exile in which they are living. They have not, they've not given themselves over to these, these pagan gods. And they have been transformed to follow in Christ. And their commitment has put them on the outside. Now, Peter is saying, be prepared. Prepare your minds. Continually prepare your minds. Uh, because the pool is going to be really hard to, uh, to go back into that life, to, to fit in. Now, there's, I think, three ways that Peter is understanding this one. And, and the passage brings this out. Uh, as we are being transformed, 
um, as we have been given this new birth and this living hope that we talked about last week, uh, we receive that through Christ, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so Peter is understanding that the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of these people in a significant way. Uh, yet, yet he understands that there is a part to play, that they have a part to play in their own discipline. So while the Holy Spirit works in us and through us for our transformation, for our strength and our ability to live in Christ-like ways in the world, in our community, that is, that is at odds with the way that, in which we are called to live, um, not worshiping other gods, uh, that we ourselves have to cooperate with the Spirit. You and I need to have discipline. We need to gird the loins of our mind, if you will, if we are going to be the people that Peter hopes that we are, the people that, that Christ has called us to be. Uh, that's one, Holy Spirit, we need to be disciplined ourselves. The third thing is that it is participation in the fellowship of believers. None of this would be possible. Uh, none of them preparing their minds, continuing to be prepared, being successful at living as exiles in a foreign land, they are not going to be able to resist the pull uh, to become like everybody else, again, if they are not embedded deeply in a fellowship of believers. Uh, obviously, we call this the church. And so Peter, right out at the beginning of the day, and this is what he has to say to us partly, and what I say, am saying to us too, gird the loins of your mind, prepare your minds continually for action by disciplining yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit and in conjunction with the fellowship of the body of believers. Now I realize right now that's really difficult because you and I, we are separated physical distance, right? Uh, hopefully that's gonna change soon. Uh, but we can, there's other ways, obviously we're trying to, to do that, uh, to be connected. But it's why our, our participation in church is so important. That you and I can have that strength and that accountability and that support that we need to live as people who've been transformed by Christ to look differently than the world around us. Okay, so that's that. Um, he wants them to set all of their hope uh, on the grace that God has given them. Uh, and, and so they are to prepare, continually prepare until Christ comes back again. Now, like I said before, the, um, the pull to return to their old way of life, uh, the way not not characterized by selfless love, uh, that's going to be strong. Now, I think, it, like we've said, it's going to be strong in two ways. One, uh, economically and uh, socially, the pull is going to be strong. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to say, I wish I could fit in again. I wish that I could go back and worship in, in the temple. Uh, and so I could go back to work as just a, a, a non-suspicious person, a non-suspicious citizen in, in this world. Uh, I think that's, that's typical too. Uh, but I think the other one is uh, towards all those moral things. And we'll talk about that just in just a little bit. Uh, some of these, some of these, um, uh, religions, uh, the worship of God had lots of different things that, that might have been enticing for people to participate in uh, that were gratifying in certain different ways. Well, he's saying, I know this pool is going to be hard. 
It's going to be it's going to be extremely hard to live as exiles in a place that's not your home, that doesn't act and think and look like you, without the work of the Holy Spirit, without you uh, committing to doing the work yourselves and being committed to the fellowship of believers. And that's that pull to go backwards in life is going to be really uh, significant. Well, he goes on and he says, like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Um, now, a couple of things here. Uh, in the Greco-Roman world, obedience of the child was really paramount. Uh, if you belong to a prominent family, you wore that name in public in a significant way. So much so that if you did anything that was wrong or out of the norm, uh, that you would bring shame not only on yourself, but on your family as well. And so so in, in a way, Peter's friends here, uh, the ones that he's talking to, they've already done this, right? They have already brought shame on their family by not, uh, by not participating in the, the cultic worship of the day by being transformed in such a way that puts them at odds with the surrounding culture. And so Peter is saying, hey, you need to be obedient children, not necessarily of your sinner parents and your family there, but of, your, of God your Father in heaven. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you had once in ignorance. Now, uh, desires is a catch-all for all kinds of different things, greed and lust and any form of overindulgent indulgence. That is, it is a catch-all for all of that. And so that's, that's the moral side, right? So the, the pull that we said was to participate fully in society again, but also um, obviously Christ calls us to live in a way that doesn't always give in to our own selfish desires. So Peter's saying, once in your ignorance, you did all of those things. Uh, you did all of the lust and greed, um, all of the selfishness. But like obedient children, don't do those things anymore. Continually prepare your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your own self-discipline and your participation in the body of Christ, the community of faith. Now, um, as, as an aside, this can seem maybe a little bit heavy-handed, heavy right? Um, I think this passage and passages like it have been used uh, as a way to manipulate people to be obedient, uh, wives to their husbands, children to their uh, parents, even in places where those, those relationships have been bad and, and abusive. And so for some of you, I know uh, that, that uh, language of being obedient uh, to a father figure, uh, it is, is, is bad. It brings up perhaps maybe feelings of, of, of the father that you had that, that required you to toe the line, to, to be obedient in a significant way, or else you would suffer his particular, his wrath for not being obedient. Well, I hope that you know by now that the, uh, that the picture that I believe the Bible paints about who God is, uh, the picture that I have kind of given my life to and, and that I'm hoping that you will see too, is not a God who's up there who is demanding our obedience uh, just so he could might, might catch us doing something wrong 
or to make, make us not have any fun in this world. He's not demanding our obedience uh, so he can punish us when we mess up. Uh, but the, the, the character and nature of God is one of grace and love and mercy, steadfast love, faithfulness, and forgiveness. All those things I, I talk about a, a whole lot that our obedience to God is not just for obedience sake. Our obedience to God is so that you and I can live the best possible life that we can, uh, the Christ-like kind of life. I realize uh, in the context of this particular letter in Peter that sometimes that means suffering. So when you hear me say best possible life, I'm not thinking, uh, you know, huge salary, big, big house, lots of cars. I'm thinking a life that is characterized by selfless giving love uh, towards God and towards others. Uh, so we're, we're to be obedient so, so we can live the way we're supposed to, and also so that we can participate in God's mission of love and restoration and forgiveness and salvation in our world here today. So, like obedient children, prepare your minds continually through the power of the Holy Spirit, with your own self-discipline, within community of the fellowship of believers, become obedient children so that you can live into the calling that Christ has called you to and so that you might participate in what God is doing in the world. Now, Peter um, follows this up directly with, instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, eh, admittedly, this sounds like a tall order, and I guess it, it kind of is, right? That uh, when we think about the, the holiness of God as being something that is big and grand, he's perfect, there's no darkness in God, there's no sin, um, there's no evil within God, and so that's a really, really tall order. And uh, I think it's important. We're going to talk about what that looks like a little bit more for us. Um, but again, I want us to keep in mind the character and nature of God as being gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That God is calling us to be holy as he is holy. That's the ultimate goal. But that he is gentle with us as we make our way there. He knows that the environment in which we live is one that is not conducive to our holiness. That we are surrounded by all sorts of things that Peter, like, like Peter saying to his friends, that want to call us back into the life we used to live in ignorance. Well, uh, before we answer what kind of holiness looks like for us, really, uh, Peter has a couple more things to say. And uh, we'll go on to verse 17. He says, If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially, according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Now, here, here, here's the thing. We have to hold... Uh, kind of this holiness and this grace intention. Uh, and I think this is, this is what some, well, some don't do so well. If you and I are going to call God our Father and claim all of the benefits of being a child of God, uh, the grace, the salvation, the forgiveness, right? If we're going to claim all of that, then, then we need to live in reverent, Fear. Now, what, is, what does that mean, living in reverent fear? Uh, 
it, it, it's not, it, well, it's a level of, of accountability, right? Uh, we have to understand fear not as being afraid of God. Um, it has more to do with respect for God and the gift that he has given us, the gift of salvation, right? So it, it's like this. Um, whenever, you re whenever you receive a gift, right, for whatever reason you might receive it, I hope that you do your best to live into the reason you have received that gift. Um, because we want to live, uh, to live to please not just the gift giver, but uh, to, to live into the reason that we received that gift. So, for, for example, if my wife gives me a brand new car, like they do in all those commercials, you know, during Christmas time, put a big bow on it. If she gives me a brand new car because I am absolutely the best husband and father she's ever known in the entire world, then I want to live into, I want to respect, live in, in fear, if you will. It's not being afraid, right? I want to live in respect to not only the gift that I've been given, but the one who has given the gift to me because I've been given that gift for being such an amazing, amazing person, right? This is a silly example. So for that car, I'm going to take care of that car. I'm going to respect that gift. I'm going to wash it every week. I'm going to vacuum it out every week. It's going to be spotless. All of its scheduled maintenance is going to be done on time. And that car is going to remain pristine because I respect the gift and the one who has given the gift to me. So it's an analogy, right? God has given us this great gift of forgiveness and salvation. It is, it is a tremendous gift that's worth way more than a car, right? It is worth, it's invaluable, right? And so you and I, to live, if we're going to claim our relationship with God as our Father, with all of the benefits, having received that gift, then we need to live in grateful response to the gift that we have received, that we are continuing to be worthy of that gift. Right? We don't earn our salvation, right? But like we said, it takes discipline for us, as we said at the beginning. We live in respect of the one who has given us this great gift of salvation and the, one, and the gift itself. Well, um, because this gift, it was not cheap, right? So he goes on and says, you know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. This gift that we have received from God, this gift of salvation, of restoration, of ultimately of being with Christ for all of time, for being made whole at some point when Christ returns. It was not inexpensive, right? It is something that was purchased for us. Uh, that you were ransomed. That that's a that's an exchange of payment, right? And there's uh, a lot of baggage that comes with that word for me theologically. But anyway, um, it is a, it is a gift of God, paid for by His sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So if, like I said, if we are going to be obedient children. We have to, to live in respect and value that great gift along with uh, the one who has given it to us. Okay, so this great gift has been bought not with perishable things that wear out money, uh, but with imperishable things with the precious blood of Christ. Well, it goes on a little bit more, and he says, now that you have purified your souls by your obedience. So we're kind of working down this, like saying, be prepared 
through the power of the Spirit, uh, through your own self-discipline, with the fellowship of the believers. Uh, resist going back to your old way of life. Live into respect and admiration and uh, worthiness of the gift that you've received from the great gift giver God uh, who has purified your soul. Remember last week we said souls was not just our inner spirit that floats away to be with God the Father, right? But, but it is the totality of our, of our being, right? Now that you've purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. Now, uh, this word love gives us, we, we get it all kinds of mixed up all the time. Um, we, our media makes it seem like one thing when it's really another, right? The love that Peter is talking about here is the unconditional, kind of selfless, self-giving love. Uh, but he puts two modifiers in front of that that love that already is pretty loaded with what it means, right? It's not selfish love. It's not romantic love. It's not, I love tacos. It is genuine, mutual love. Love is genuine when it is honestly and selflessly seeks the good of others. Love is genuine when it honestly and selflessly seeks the good of others. Love is genuine when it gives love in response to hurt. Love is genuine when it is an overflowing of the love that God has given to us and to all the people around us. I think I'm pretty convinced that that's the love that Christ has given to us, right? We have only hurt him, but yet he pours out this love to us. This love, it, it honestly and selflessly seeks our good. It's always giving. And I don't know that we can respect that gift, the gift of salvation, if we aren't the kind of people who continually give this kind of genuine love to the people around us, especially our enemies. We're going to, in, in a couple of weeks, this is going to come around again. And Peter's not going to mince words about what it means to love enemies. And remember, that's not just something Peter's making up that comes from Jesus. Okay, the second modifier, genuine and mutual. Uh, mutual is kind of back and forth, right? I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing. Um, but it's deeper than that. I think he adds this, this modifier mutual to indicate the kind of community that Peter wants his friends to live in. Uh, that, that genuine love is exercised and practiced within the community of faith that confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, that, that in a way that this mutual love, right, he's talking to us as the church at this particular point, that this genuine love, that it is our way of practicing it within the church itself. We, we practice genuine love so that we can go out and love the world. Because it, if you, if you never have your hearts or your minds changed about what love really looks like, if you never actually put it into practice, you will never be able to, to, to do it when the time comes to do it. And the time is always here. It is always 
is always ready for us to go into the world to exercise this kind of genuine love. But Peter's really interested here in, in, in our, in his friends, continuing to live in their world in a specific and certain kind of way. He wants them, he, he knows, he knows it's tough. Uh, in their world, we have it a little easier here probably. Although I, I imagine that if we were truly living in the way that Christ has called us to live, it might be a little bit more difficult because uh, we'd be a little bit more loving, a little bit more generous, have a little bit more hospitality. Peter is saying, I want you to live in this very specific way because you are calling God your father and, and you become a representative of that family. And you can either bring it honor and glory in the world by representing the gift and the gift giver really, really, really well in your community, or you can bring about shame and disgrace on the family of God by failing to live with genuine mutual love. At the end of the day, though, we know we need three things. We need to gird the loins of our mind. We need to continually prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, disciplining ourselves through the power of God's Holy Spirit, which is given to us for this very reason. We need to practice it within the community of faith that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, which is the church. If we do those things, if we are disciplined in the power of the Spirit, if we practice our genuine mutual love in the, in the church, that we will become faithful, glory-bringing children of God. Uh, and God will be glorified in the world because of it. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.